morning, everyone. It is actually the morning, so wherever you're listening to, uh, I did record this at 9 in the morning. So welcome to the Juke Pod, episode 13. Uh, I think today is a great day for a podcast. I'm actually recording this a week early. It was the first time I'm doing this just because it's so rainy outside uh, and the weather is gloomy. But what I love about the rain and about days like this, especially when it's like October, November, um, and so forth, like middle winter, and it's just like uh, it's, no one really wants to go outside, is that at least it gives you time to go to the office and get a lot of work done in the office. I had a really fun idea yesterday where I actually took a clip of the podcast from last week because I, I record them by video uh, always and just in case you want to upload them to YouTube or whatever. And I, I, in the interview I had last week, she asked me a question of how the pandemic affected my business. And when I listened to it over, yes, there were some points I made there that were on a personal level, like, oh, I did this and I did that. But I did kind of answer it in a general scheme of how the pandemic affected the Canadian market. So I actually took that four-minute answer, uh, edited a little bit, and then put it up on YouTube. And as a, as a kind of like, you know, people are going to ask how the pandemic affected the market. And the reality is that the pandemic you know, sure, slow. it stopped the market in the height in March, and we'll see if the second wave uh, actually is going to slow it down. It does seem like it's slowing down a little bit, uh, but in March and April, it stopped the market. Then every week it slowly crept up and up until it became a seller's market again. So even the pandemic could not stop the real estate market here in Canada and I sometimes Canada is a big place. So generally you think of two really popular cities, the Vancouver and suburbs area and the G, greater Toronto area, GTA and suburbs. But even I think the smaller cities are really gaining a lot of popularity with people that can just work anywhere at home. Like, you know, you don't need to be downtown Toronto and then you need to take the subway to the office. You can be now in Sault Ste. Marie and just work with a good internet connection on your laptop if you have a job that's an office related job and I think a lot of people do so that trend is out there so I put that on YouTube and I noticed that it got like 20 views in the first day which is great I think I'm gonna try to do that so uh, I'm gonna have to try to look a little bit better (laughs) when I record these podcasts (laughs) I'm just joking normally I look fine Uh, so today being the 13th episode I want to talk to you guys about two parallel situations when it comes to buyers so uh, I had two different, or I'm currently in two different situations with two different buyers, and they're completely different. I want to start off by explaining how complicated buyers and their situations are when it's a seller's market. When it's a neutral market or a buyer's market, it kind of goes by the similar rules, but there's just no competition, and you don't have to be like so ready. Obviously, it's best to be super ready. So let's talk about what that means. So when a, I had a buyer that reached out to me like a month ago, uh, it was a referral from a past client, and they're looking to buy their first home. Now their budget is reasonable; it was up to six six hundred fifty thousand Canadian dollars or seven hundred thousand. And uh, you know, I said, okay, get your pre-approval done. They did that. I started selling some homes. Uh, we started looking at some homes. You know, obviously the first time we met, we looked at a home, we built some rapport. And things were going well. I think we got along well. Um, 
you know, I showed them some other, uh, we talked about all the different areas and possibilities and they understood that the prices, you know, in Toronto were too high for them. So we were looking like Markham, like a little bit in the outskirts, uh, but still, you know, reasonable drive to the city uh, as one of them does work there. Um, and he actually works in the trades. So he has to actually drive there and physically be there. So great. So we got along great. Uh, we eventually go out a second time. We see a few different properties. Now, the complication with buyers these days is that a lot of the properties are listed for way below market value. And I am actually a personal, con I condone, uh, sorry, I don't condone it, but I, I think this is a good strategy. Uh, someone that, something that I've done before many times this year. The problem is, is that if you're living in the house, how many people do you really want to come in your house and for how long, especially with a pandemic going around? And, uh, you know, especially with the second wave and stuff like that. So really, the, the reality is, is like, let's say your house is worth 700000 uh, A lot of people are listing their house at five ninety nine. So clients like mine, these new buyers are saying, oh, five ninety nine. Oh, look at this place. This looks great. Let's check it out. And then it sells for 700000 But what happens is the house goes on the market. They have an offer date. So a date they try to collect offers. Um, and maybe that's like five days later or a week or something like that. A week is like pretty standard. And then that way, those sellers, they can either, uh, they just know they have to leave the house for like a few hours of the day, or they can move to family members and not worry about it. It's just a week. It's, it's manageable, right? Even if you got kids, you can go to grandma's or something. And that's what a lot of my clients have done this year when they sold homes. However, when you're a first time home buyer and you see something for 599 and then it sells for 700 holy cow is that confusing <laughs> so i totally understand and sympathize and really what we talk about is we say hey you know what the market is moving things will sell quickly um but uh, let's see all these homes and then um you know if you like it we'll talk about it and that's what we always do. Uh, first, I show the home. If they like it, I can send them all the information about the home. It's called the comparative market analysis. We can look at the history of the home, all the previous sales. Let's say sometimes the house is on the market and then it was on the market for a higher price before. We know it's probably overpriced. Or, um, you know, uh, maybe it's an original owner from like 20 years ago. You can tend to think that that's, a, uh, that's like better value because they tend to keep good care of it. Um, sometimes it's not always upgraded, but like, you know, they'll change the furnace filter. They'll make sure the roof is done. The windows are up to date. These are more big ticket items. Uh, and cosmetic is kind of personal preference, of course. And based on people's circumstances, whether they can renovate or whether they have extra money. Uh, but that's besides the point. So these buyers, everything really went pretty smoothly because when they put in an offer on a house and it was one of those 599 that sold for 700,000. Uh, they quickly realized that, uh, first of all, it's super confusing and it's a little bit bullshit, right? <laughs> Let's be honest, right? It sucks. Um, but they realized that, okay, well, if these homes are actually 700000 because that's what we talked about. We talked about, yes, the listing price is one thing, but we got to look at the market value. So when I send you all the homes like it that sold recently in the last 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, and you're like, oh, they're all selling for... 695 or 725,000, then you're like, okay, well, if our budget's 650,000, then maybe we can't afford this home. Now you got to, you go through the motions 
what's great about putting any offer, and I recommend it, guys. If you ever are not really sure about a house, you're like, man, I don't think we have a chance. Go ahead and submit that offer uh, because you're going to gain experience, right? And I've been in situations where I thought we had no chance uh, and we did the best we could. And all of a sudden there was a chance. So, and I've been on the right end of those situations. And sometimes the buyer just says, no, I can't go uh, higher than this price. And that's totally fair. We walk away and we don't get the house. But sometimes they're like, yeah, you know what? This is a good deal. I just need to add this much and then I get the house or uh, change some of these circumstances. So the buyers here, uh, they learn about the market. They learn the hard way that, you know, there's a few offers and it goes like 100000 over asking. And they're like, all right, well, you know what? Then I guess we can't afford homes here. So next time I start selling them homes, uh, they understand. They're like, okay, you know what? Before we look at these homes, and I, I explain this to them. We talk about this. Before we look at these homes, now it's listed for $599. Will it sell for like $625 or will it sell for $700? Because if it's going to sell for $625, then yes, we should see it because we can sell it, we can technically we can afford it. But if it's going to sell for $700, let's not even look at them. Nope. And then uh, so we go out a few more times. Uh, I think we only went out to look at homes like four times. And they found a townhouse that they really liked, had a garage, had three bedrooms, had a backyard as opposed to, and you know, fit the budget, as opposed to other ones that were like a little bit nicer, but they had two bedrooms or didn't have a backyard or they needed a lot more work. So this was a more traditional two-story home, um, you know, and it had a basement that, you know, they could also use because they have a daughter and, um, and it was in a good school zone. Uh, you know, they have a daughter that's in kindergarten now, which is, you know, super important, right? I mean, we, once you have kids, you basically live, yes, of course you do things that you still like doing, occasionally <laughs> but uh, once you have kids you basically want the best for them right so they went after that house and uh, actually there was a second offer on it but uh, we ended up uh, because we had our financing in order we removed our financing condition and we gave them we ended up giving them the full price uh, we started out lower but once we realized that we could get the house if we go full price after talking to the agent they got it they're happy. They're ecstatic. Uh, you know, right now they're finalizing their mortgage, but the house is officially for them December 15th. So they have their Christmas present. Amazing. What I love about this story is that the buyers actually understood the way the market worked fairly quickly. So what happens when you have buyers that don't understand? <laughs> and that's what I have with another set of buyers. So I had a house for sale in Georgetown. Back in July, these guys called me. They want to see the house. Uh, I convinced them to look at a couple other homes with me uh, that were comparable. From that point on, we we built a rapport. We got along. They said, "Okay, keeps let's keep looking at homes together." Eventually, they put in a couple offers, and it didn't work out. And we have a contract signed. So we have a buyer representation agency for the end of the year, right? So all good. Every time we look at homes, we're talking. We're having a good time. You know, we're getting to know each other and we're looking at homes. Now, they want something that in their budget is very rare. So they want a double car garage home either in Caledon or Georgetown. And it has to be 920000 or less. That's what their pre-approval is, right? Now, every time we look at a four-bedroom house, it's selling way over their budget. And I'm trying to tell them, hey, guys, this house that we looked at last week, 
sold for like a million dollars and we only have a budget of 920. And they keep saying, ah, it's okay, we're optimistic, we'll get it, you know? <laughs> and then sometimes I show them a three-bedroom house with a double-car garage, finished basement. Now, the place isn't immaculate, but it's pretty good. And it's like 850, 875,000, like something that's pretty rare on the market. And they still don't like the house. Now, I think there's a bit of... Um, uh, you know, I'm a very patient person. I got kids. I got a wife. You know, uh, <laughs> I have to work with people all the time. So I have to maintain patience for my own sanity and for my own business and for my own happiness. So there's nothing wrong with somebody taking their time to find the home that they, you know, essentially want to be their forever home. So July rolls around August, September, October. We're now in middle of October. Now we've been looking for homes for like four months. The problem with this situation is like um, they don't seem to understand that the values of these homes are listed low and then sold much higher. So they continue to want to see it. Now I tried to tell them this numerous times, but they just refuse to believe it. And then I've shown them other homes, not often, but I have physically, we have physically found a home that has one less bedroom, which they don't need, they don't have kids, like they're planning on having kids. but Three bedrooms is great, and it fits their budget, but for some reason, it doesn't work for them. Like, maybe they just want a four-bedroom. They mentioned that before. The problem with going so many months with the same client is you can start wearing your relationship because you see each other so often, at least once a week. Maybe it's not, like, so often, but, like, if it's once a week and things are just not really progressing, um, you're going to get tired of each other. Uh, you, the clients may lose respect. You may lose respect for the clients, whatever. Like, obviously, you want to be professional. Uh, and But it does, like, it does start making me feel uncomfortable because I start realizing that even though we're going to look at a house that they may like, they can't afford it, and they still want me to show it. So, uh, you know, and... I got to touch base on this, like the length of time it takes for a client to buy a house normally shouldn't be four months. If they're active, maybe it's a month or two, um, could be a few weeks. So there are exceptions. You know, I have had clients that I showed them a house and then three years later they bought a home. You know, they just came in and out of activeness. And I think the way things were handled, um, you know, it, it didn't bother you. Like you, you understand, like maybe it doesn't work for the client. Maybe they switch jobs or something like that. Uh, like, for example, I have a, I had a client that I was meeting uh, a couple times a week just like a month ago, and her husband uh, got a new job. So he got a better job, a higher paying job. That's excellent news for the family. You know, you got to give him two thumbs up, be like, hey, congratulations, that's amazing. The problem is, is that now if you want a mortgage, you have to wait three months for the new job because that's your probation period. From a mortgage point of view, the bank may not accept your application because you haven't been at the job long enough. So now we have to wait till January. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. I built a report with the client. We made a plan. Um, you know, we don't have anything signed, but I'm pretty confident that when January comes around, they're gonna we're gonna call each other and be like, hey, obviously I'll call them for Christmas and wish them a Merry Christmas, but Happy New Year. <laughs> Let's hope 2021 is better than 2020. And uh, yeah, now my husband's been working for three months. Let's secure that pre-approval and let's go get that bungalow. We can downsize whatever it is, right? Um, so the length of the client is really, you know, obviously you don't want it to go for so long.
But if you're actively looking all the time, there must be something wrong that those clients uh, are not able to find what they're looking for. So I recommend meeting with them. I actually sent them an email being like, hey guys, like, um, can we get together, a cup of coffee, my treat? I just want to talk over what's happening in the market and stuff. And if, if they don't want to or they don't want to, um, you know, they just want to continue like this, I'm going to have to tell them, look, guys, I can't show you these homes. They're selling for much more. Um, or, you know, like it might get awkward. But at the end of the day, like you can't be doing the same thing over and over and over again, not get anywhere. That's the definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over again. So you got to sit down and have a conversation with that client and go through, do whatever you got to do to explain it to them because you want the best for them and you want them to find a home that they can have children with, you know, in the home. (laughs) Uh, I'm not thinking about the conceptual part, but the, uh, uh, you know, that they can raise a family together in that home and be happy for the next 10, 15, 20, you know, however long they want, 50 years, uh, you know, it doesn't, who cares? Uh, It's great, whatever they want. So you have to sit down and talk to them. In fact, I think that in my example, I probably should have sat down and talked with them like um, halfway through, like maybe after a couple months, like, you know, and been like, hey, guys, like, let's go over your criteria. One of the things you got to remember as buyers is that at the beginning, you should write down everything that's really important to you in the next house. But then you're going to have to cross off two or three things on the criteria uh, because you can't have everything, especially if you have a budget. Yeah, if you have an unlimited amount of money and I don't know how many people are in that situation, then sure, like put it whatever you want and probably we'll find it, you know. Uh, but if you have a budget and the types of homes that you're looking for are pretty restrictive, either the area or budget or whatever it is, then you may you will have to cross off two or three things off that list that could be very important for you at the beginning, and then you have to decide which criteria, which criteria are going to be the best for you. So what I always tell buyers is that you can't find it a 10 out of 10, but you could find an 8 out of 10, which is pretty good, right? And then you can make it a 10 out of 10. So with these clients, yes, we have to meet. Two is, is that if I feel uncomfortable showing them homes anymore, but we have a contract signed, then maybe we're just not the right fit. And that happens. Back when I used to work for a team, people were not fits for each other once in a while. Someone would give me their client because they're like, I can't handle them. Like, we just don't get along. Or I may give someone my client and be like, look, I don't think we're getting along. Um, we don't speak each other's language. Like there, there are situations that just think people are, get uncomfortable, right? And uh, it's better for that person to purchase something. Now, if I, if I give the client, if I tell the client, hey, guys, I think you guys would benefit from a fresh pair of eyes and perspective. Here is uh, Johnny x whatever here's a great agent from my company whenever you sign the bra the buyer representation agreement you sign with the brokerage so you have to continue working with that brokerage i'd rather that they buy a home with him than not at all ever if that works out right if it doesn't work out and the clients are just unreasonable and there's nothing you can do then there's nothing you can do guys there's no there's no person in sales that hasn't had one situation that they thought was going to go well and it didn't turn out well in the end like it happens to all of us. We can't get them all, but you can only do the best you can and you could be human and you could tell people, give advice and do the best. You know, I'm just doing the best I can. I, I'm human at the end of the day. Uh, so whenever you have that situation, make sure you sit down, talk to your clients, make sure they understand the market, make sure they understand the criteria that they really want 
make sure they start seeing criteria that um, maybe they can withdraw from so they can stay within the budget. Otherwise, it's going to be really tough for you guys. Uh, you know, you don't want to be in that trap. Honestly, uh, at this point of the year, this being like almost end of October, uh, most of my clients have already purchased or sold their homes and it's not that busy. So I contemplate whether I want to continue with this client or not. If it was busier, I would just say, sorry, guys, I can't help you out. Like it's, it's just not realistic, right? Because I'm driving all my time and effort and we're not getting anywhere. So it's not really a situation you want to do. But you got to be realistic and professional at the same time, right? Uh, the third thing is that you just tell the clients that, sorry, I don't think it's going to work out. Now, maybe the conversation you have with them doesn't go well. Uh, maybe they lose respect for you. Maybe they don't want to listen to you anymore. Uh, maybe they're just, they're not happy. They just want to continue looking at homes for fun. And, the, you know, that's just kind of like riding someone along, you know, like it's like maybe someone in high school because it's one of their classmates has a car when and you know they don't like that person but they just fake being friends with them just so they can get rides that's not cool <laughs> so you want to try to minimize this stuff but that's part of the game right that's how life works sometimes uh you have various buyers and you got to change your attitude and the way you work based on the buyers personalities and their situations and you got to be adaptable to try to do the best you can for them if it's not working out, you gotta sit down, you gotta talk, you gotta take a step back, and you gotta be very professional about it. And sometimes maybe it's never gonna work out, but at the end of the day, you can only do the best you can, right? And with that, there's my little two cents about buyers, and I hope you guys have a wonderful week.